So hello, welcome back to the Being Back Pod. I'm your host, Camille Smith. And if you are listening, you're tuning into our series, Being Black and Creating Space. I'm super excited to be talking to Rashawn Brown, aka Rush the Mic. He is a spoken word poet, actor, public speaker, executive producer, educator, and founder of Poetry Me Please. PMP is a spoken word poetry platform that provides a stage for poets across the world to showcase their talents through creative verbal expression. Since the founding of Poetry Me Please in 2021, Rashawn has hosted New York City's largest poetry showcases with an average of 300 attendees and ranges over 400 on a bi-monthly basis. Each showcase features approximately 10 to 12 poets, and in conclusion of performing, each poet will receive a minimum of two professionally edited videos per poem, photography, highlight features on all social media platforms, along with being welcomed into a community of over 500 poets worldwide, free of charge. The free of charge thing is crazy because the fact that you're creating that space for people is wild. And the fact that you <laughs> are nice enough to give it to people for free is, is really, really cool. Yeah, um, sure. So to give background for listeners, and I talked to Sean about this before we started recording, I don't know if you popped up on my explore page or like what, but like, I don't know how to say this in like not a weird way, but like anytime anyone black is doing something cool, I'm like, ah, like, love it. Like, let, let me see how okay. I can like support in some way. Right. So I think I saw a video of you reciting a poem and granted at that point, like, I didn't know whether it was like your personal poetry, you were just reciting somebody else's poem, what the case may be. But I was like, ah, like, I feel like a lot of times you don't see black men in poetry, like really at all. Um, and I like really, really liked the fact that you were like, you were like on a stage and like, I don't know, the video was cool. So I was like, all right, cool. Like double tap, went to your page and I was like, oh, we have mutuals. Like, who is this? Like, what okay. is going on? <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure I followed you at that point, but like, again, I stalked, whatever, that's fine. Stalked, went through, saw this is like legitimately something that you do on a regular basis. You're creating uh, space yeah. for poets, uh, worldwide. Cause I also saw the Ghana trip. That was crazy. And we're definitely yeah. going to get into that. Nice. Um, and then he also sells candles, y'all. So like he does it all basically. Um, so I decided to step out on a whim and I was like, oh, like I'm going to see if I can send him an email and he's going to answer. And then he did. And now we're here. Um, so okay. very, very cool. I'm very, very happy to be talking to you, getting to know you. Um, I think that's one of my favorite parts of social media. But before I get too far ahead of myself, me and the listeners want a point of reference. So we always start our podcast off with four initial questions. Are you ready? Yes. What does being Black mean to you? Oh, that's a good one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Oh, man, I talk about being Black so, so, so often. Every time you get this question, it's, it's like, what's on your mind at this point? And, you know, I think about being Black is, is fully owning an identity that a lot of people either fear or don't understand. And when I think about being Black, I always think about what have I faced, whether positive or negative, as I've grown into the, 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 the man that I am now. And I think being Black is, you know, you look, you look at to how you experience life and the way that life experiences you in the interactions that you have with people throughout the world. And, you know, it it always goes back again to identity. And when I wake up, I'm black. When I go to sleep, I'm black. My thoughts are black. The way that I express my emotions, whether positive or negative, are black. It's like always leading with the fact that I am black and and knowing and I and and living in that truth. And the reason why I guess I'm, I'm, I'm so cautious or maybe aware of it is because I've had my best experiences when I'm in the moment and I'm able to say like, you know, I'm a black person. I'm doing this because of this. And 
I think I'm able to identify that when I'm around Black people and the people that I trust and that I'm that, that I feel comfortable with. And then when I'm around other people who don't share those identities, I think I'm always able to find and, 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 and point it out. So I think, you know, I guess maybe uh, long words than none, uh, you know, being Black is, is more so how you identify with yourself and then how you, I guess, carry out, you know, life. Yeah. Definitely a poet, y'all. <laughs> I love that. No, that's yeah, very, very cool. Get to like a tangent. <laughs> no, it's very, very cool. I think one of the main reasons why I love asking people that question is because people it's such a big question and you genuinely yeah, can take yeah. it absolutely anywhere. Um, I think when I, well, I know when I first started the podcast, I was like, okay, if I'm going to be asking people these questions, like I need to answer these questions for myself. And something that I always came back to was thinking about my identity and because I'm a black person, how I've honestly been kind of forced to be resilient in a lot of the space that I find myself in. So I just really heavily associate blackness with resilience. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, historically, you know, unfortunately we've had to be resilient in like a lot of different um, events over time. But um, I don't know, I, I, I appreciate the fact that you look at it more of like in like a holistic way. Like it, you, you think black, I like that. Like you think yeah. black, you wake up black, you go to sleep black, you interact with people, you express your emotions black. That's, that's the first time I think I, I feel like I've heard it, it answered that way. So I, I appreciate that a lot. Um, so when was like the first time that you realized that you're black or that being black could have, you know, some, some sort of meaning to it, if you will. Cause like as kids, you know, we're just yeah. cooling and then something might happen that you're like, Oh. Yeah. Hmm. That is a good point. I, right. you know, I, I honestly can't, I don't know if I can pinpoint when I re I realized that I was black. I think I've always, you know, cliche to say maybe I've always known that I was black. I think growing up, I was more in tune with where I grew up in my neighborhood and, you know, um, interacting with students. I feel like I've always been around students and kids that look like me for the most part. Um, that my, my differentiation goes as far as, you know, I grew up my, my, maybe my high school more so, more Spanish students and Italians. So like then recognizing that, but you know, I think for this question, I'd almost jump, I'd jump ahead to college. And I say my senior year, I'll never forget this. Um, I had, I was pre-med up until like junior year. So I was doing bio, like, yeah, if you ask my freshman or sophomore stuff, I should be in med school right now. Uh, oh, we'll get into that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, and I say that to say that all my classes were these, you know, either small labs or big lecture center halls with a bunch of students that are just, you know, bio, chem, orgo, you know, cell bio, anatomy. So whatever. Um, I switched, I, I, I kept my bio major, but I added on education as a minor. And I started to take these these courses that were more intimate, that were about education, of course, the school systems. Um, and I had this one class, and I forgot the name of the class, but it was taught by a, a PhD student. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, maybe an adjunct professor or someone that was within his program. And it was about race and identity and privilege. And this day is when I realized that, you know, it's when I, like, your question is like, oh, like, 
I'm black, you know, like I am black. And it was crazy because he said this one thing to me, you know, the class is on privilege and he goes, the white man is the most powerful figure. Remember he used the word dominant, he used powerful, he used the word most dominant. He goes, the white male is the most dominant figure in America. And at that moment, I felt, I felt disrespected as a person. And he, he was, he identified it and he kind of let, he kind of opened up the room to discussion because he knew I was, you know, I think we had that relationship. And I said like, nah, I remember saying that like, nah, I'm not feeling that. And he goes like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm not feeling what you just said. Like, it's not sitting well with me. And it was a very real moment because I think, you know, there were a bunch of different people in the classroom, white people and all that. And I was very expressive at that point. And I didn't know how to express myself in the moment, but I, I did the best that I could. And I was like, I'm not feeling that. That's not, I don't like that. And he goes, well, let's break it down. And then he started giving me examples. And he goes, I can drive across town and not have to worry about getting pulled over by the cops. He goes, that's not a fear of mine. And I'm like, damn. He goes, <laughs> he says, he's the step further. He goes, I can, I can stop at any gas station in America and not, not worry about getting, getting followed or, or, or looked at when I'm trying to get food or, you know, I'm trying to buy something. And everything just started like, wow. Like, you know, he goes, you know, look at the pay gap in America and like, you know, the job systems and, you know, the resources that we have. And then he just starts breaking it down. And I'm just like, yo, it was crazy to me because right. he was right. And I think that I knew he was right when he first said it. But in that moment, I, I was frustrated because I didn't, I didn't like how he used the word dominant. And I think I, 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 I heard dominant and then I immediately thought powerful. And that's okay. not what he meant. And I think that that was important for me to understand. Even, you know, yeah, someone, he, may, someone may look at it and say it's the same thing. But for me, it wasn't. And that's not what he meant. And it kind of showed me just who I was as a person and how I compared to my counterpart, if that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. So that was a, that was a crazy moment for me. And I, and I, and said, I, I forget that. <laughs> I was like, I yo, like nah, that. nah, nah. You know, like my authentic self. And that's what I meant by like being, you know, maybe this is me come being from New York and the Bronx. But in that moment, I was just like, nah. Like, nah, I'm not feeling that. He was like, <laughs> full talk. sentence, full yeah. stop. <laughs> now, nah, nah, run that back. Let's, let's use, I was like, yo, let's use a different word. He was like, nah, dominant is the word. And I was like, nah, I'm not feeling that. Not feeling that. <laughs> That's funny. Well, it's, it's interesting because I feel like I also experienced that a lot in school. I went to Villanova University, it's a predominantly white mm-hmm. school. Um, uh, I also, well, again, you said pre med. So I was chemical engineering, but I was also pre med. So I was in oh, those fire. classes. Oh um you know let's not talk about it too much um (laughs) but I also decided to minor in ethics because I like really really love discussion-based classes and there were all these that feeling of like uncomfortableness at least that's how I perceived it when you were talking like it's just a genuine uncomfortableness like people would say stuff and it would just make so little sense to me and like when I would like raise my hand and like you know participate in the discussion I would like say something and people like ah like no it's not that way and I'm like no, but like, yes, it is. I distinctly yeah. remember there was one, one conversation um, that we were talking about um, civil death and basically talking about how people that are charged with felonies in, in there's two states in the United States that like, you just lose your right to vote. Like 
right. it's like it's a wrap, right? Yeah. Um, and that's considered civil death because like people's civil mm, duty is okay. to be able to yes. perform the system. We can talk about the system at another time, but still, right? And then there's two states that even while you're incarcerated, you still have the right to vote. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about this and, and of course it's like an ethical dilemma because it's like, oh, well, you know, if someone does something bad, like do they deserve the right, you know, to participate right. in these systems and like all this stuff. <laughs> and this one kid was like, oh, well, like they just shouldn't have committed the felony. <laughs> Crazy. Awesome, awesome like, Throw it out there, like he was probably dead ass. No, and he said it with like such conviction. He's like, "Oh, like I like." He's like, he literally, he literally said he had no sympathy for people mm -hmm. that committed felonies. They should not be able to participate in the systems because, oh. like, they you know went against it. And I was like, "All right, well, like, right what about people that are wrongfully convicted?" So, like, you know, off bat, right. um, <laughs> like, okay, like that's crazy. And then also, and my teacher, uh, she wasn't irritated but like my point was very valid because I was like all right we go to a college campus like what and oh, his name was Brad too Brad if you're listening to this I hate you um but he basically was I was like yo like so have you like have you ever like indulged in any like drugs like nothing too crazy like let's say just like you know smoking weed like nothing crazy nothing crazy he's looking around like oh my god I would I would never do that. why would you ask me that in class like that I'm like Brad my fault do you know anyone that has ever smoked weed, like ever just like thought about it, right? He's like, yeah, like obviously like, you know, I'm 19, 20 years old, like whatever. And I was like, that's committing a felony in the state of Pennsylvania. And mm -hmm. this is of course before like- Yeah, of course, of course. Card, yeah. all, that, all that type of stuff. Yeah, I was like, that's, that's committing a felony. So like with your line of thinking, like if you commit a felony, like you're just unintelligent and just should not be able to participate, participate excuse me, in these systems, right? And I was like, the difference between your friend and somebody that's incarcerated is your friend just didn't get caught. Didn't get caught. And right. then everyone's just like, oh my God. Da, da, da. I'm like, no, like let's like really talk about one it. Because more. for you yeah, to yeah, say yeah. something like that is crazy. Auto. Now again, me and my one friend, my one roommate, um, was Latina. So it's like me and her, and then like the rest of the class was like white. And I'm like saying this, I'm like, this literally like, what aren't y'all getting? Like that is just so problematic to say. And of course everyone jumped to like, oh well, so you think murderers and all these people should still have the right to vote. Okay, that's so easy to do. Like jump right, to the yeah, that's extreme. Not the that's, not, that's not the point that was being made. The point was yeah. oh, my goodness. Anyway, I understand the uncomfortable. Yeah, just, I'm, being no, like, was, yeah, yeah. It's it's I think it's a little different and it's always interesting to hear um how conflict is played out in real time. Right. And separate conversation but I look at you know the conflict that I look at is especially when it you know not for women because I don't I don't have that fire or that drive when there's conflict in the air to match what any level of intensity I just kind of like I just don't have it but right. for males and you know I, maybe this is like you can look at this as being immature or just you know whatever the word is here but in that situation it's almost like like shut up like you know what I'm <laughs> Stop playing with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like stop, stop playing with me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like one of those. Like, but you know, whatever. <laughs> so it's just in the air, how, like you know, I can imagine the room going like, oh, I'm like, yo, stop playing with me. Oh my god! Like Camille asked if I smoke. I'm like, bro, again, we literally, yeah, like, please, like, yeah, be for real, just yeah, for a yeah, second. Be for real, don't be tired. Rum, yeah, yeah, run with me just for a second. Right, right, right. Um, but okay, so you mentioned that you're from New York. Is yeah. that like one of like your personality traits? uh yeah so fu so funny enough and i i'll clear the air here i so i wasn't born in new york i was born okay. in madison wisconsin and i oh. lived there for yeah very random i lived there okay. for like 
six months, maybe. I moved to Jamaica for a year. And then I moved to New York, to the Bronx. So I've been here ever since. And that is all that I know. So when I use the word like, or the phrase I'm from, you know, yeah. I always like to leave that caveat there. But right. yes, I do believe, I think the question was personality trait. Like yeah, that's your personality? Yeah. 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 Okay. It is, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so how yeah. was growing up in New York? I loved it. You know, I only I only knew what I knew, if that makes sense to you. You know, I I I grew up in the hood, but every hood is different. I wasn't in the worst of the hoods, but it was a hood. Um, but I went to Catholic school from K through 12. And then I know I have I know I have my, my Cornell sweater on, but I, I went to SUNY Albany in, in the PWI. And you know, I think that more so than anything shaped my experience of growing up in New York. You know, when, when people say things like, oh, you're from New York, like I don't like taking a train. I didn't like taking a bus. I went to school around the corner from where I lived. My my middle school was three minutes away, and then my high school was five minutes away. So it was a you know my my perception and my my experiences living in New York or as a as a, someone from the Bronx is, you know, it's, it's a specific kind of of lifestyle. But I mean, New York in general, you know, I think the exposure and the culture is probably what's most rich. And my approach to life is a little bit different with, you know, how I recognize conflict, how I speak, you know, how I project, um, um, you know, just kind of like how I carry out myself. So it was cool. I love, you know, I loved being from New York. I love going places and knowing that like, yo, I'm from New York with even when college, it's like, yo, where are you from? I mean, obviously, it's, you know, SUNY, SUNY Albany, the capital, but for me, it was more so maybe being from the Bronx was, was like what I carried the most. Right. Yeah. So being from the Bronx, liking where you grew up, did anything change? You know, like I, I feel like you mentioned before, like you, I, I say the you had the luxury of being around people that look like you growing up because that yeah. was just not my reality. Hmm. Um, but so growing up in an area that people look like you on a regular basis and then going to college and then even graduating college, like what what did that kind of transition look like? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I um, so two things. I played, I played. So again, I went to Catholic private schools, and I used to play basketball and like football and other sports. So our teams that we played were always like white, and so my transition to college wasn't like, oh my god, you know, it was. I've been around people like people that weren't black, just period. Um. My both of those, well, my middle school was co-ed, but my high school was was an it was an all-boys school. So when I got to college, I didn't have that like, oh, like there's so many diverse people here. It was more so like, oh, there's women here, which is very different. And that's kind of where my mind was. So I don't have that like, you know, I'm sure when I was in classroom, oh, well, this is a good one. Um in my labs, and I made a comment about this, uh, and I had a I was on a panel, but in my labs you know, a lot of my white classmates or even Asian classmates, really, they would leave lab so early, you know, so you get, you know, you know, lab, you get four hours and, you know, you leave when you finish Mm -hmm. and all the time, all the time, like they would leave in like the first hour. And I was like, damn, they, they on a different time of time here. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like, I think I thought I knew how to study. I thought I got the grades. I thought I was doing what I needed to do. And, you know, I remember one time, I remember for like a, a, a semester, I tried, like I really tried. I used to do the lab before lab and take down notes. I'm like, yo, when I go in there, I'm trying to 
I, I want to feel comfortable. I want to feel good when I leave. And I tried and I, and I think I got it down, you know, maybe two and a half, something like that, but they still left in that first hour. And I say, yo, what are they doing that I'm not doing? Like, <laughs> what's going on here? Um, so that's like, those are moments that I recognize, you know, obviously, and then of course, being at a PWI, like noticing the small population of black, Hispanic, brown, you know, whichever way you want to cut it. And then seeing everybody else, it's like, oh, wow. You know, but I think I, I had another luxury, another privilege of going to a, you know, SUNY Albany, which I felt the black community was small, but it was, it felt so big. So okay. my experiences were not as cutthroat of like, you know, growing up with black people and then going to a PWI It's a little bit in the mix. Okay. That's nice. But you also know for those labs, like some people just don't be finishing the labs. That's also true. And that's a piece, you know, and like, they would just leave. But yeah, again, you're under the impression that like, the impression oh. that, yo, he's bodying this, you know, like I, I always <laughs> led with that just, you know, and I, I never once, cause I mean, in my mind, I'm like, I, why would you leave after an hour if you didn't, you know what I'm saying? So maybe you are right. No, some people would do that, especially in, in engineering. Some people would, we would have like, um, hour and a half uh testing blocks so we, we wouldn't take exams door. this one class oh my goodness we had class from like 10 30 to 11 20 and then we would have to come back from 9 30 to 11 p.m to take our hour and a half long test because our teacher couldn't make an hour long exam and i'm like oh wow okay. literally write the test but okay that's fine mm-hmm. um people will come in there and be in there for 30 minutes be like ah, i wrote down everything i know head of the test yo <laughs> like, so yeah that's fun i never thought you know I, I never thought about that so yeah that that's that could also be it that could also yeah, be. so rest easy because people really <laughs> just are like, ah, like, you know, I don't know oh, it. Know. Like, why I'm should like, I sit here? Smart. Like, they just make brain moving different. Like, <laughs> you know, so. um, to pivot a little bit, and this is the last question for at least our initial questions. What advice do you have your younger self? Oh, to my younger self? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's a good one. Um, damn, that is a good one. I would say uh, there were some, th- like, I don't have a lot of regrets. But oh well, you know what? I that's a there's a lot of things I would tell my younger self. So I would tell my younger self, like literally, and I always make a this is this is like when I get real emotional just with like myself. And I make a few of my friends know this. Um, like my 16-year-old self is that's like that's my best friend. And I think if I could go back to when I was 16 years old, I'd like give him a hug and I'd be like, yo, you're good. Like, it's okay. And I know it's like, it's like mad sentimental. <laughs> and I, I was like, I almost I shed a tear literally in that moment. I literally, literally. <laughs> I would, my 16 year old self, I'd, I'd hug him and I'd take him to go get food and, I, and I'd tell him like, yo, it's okay. Yeah. And I think that, it's probably going to be the the biggest piece of it, but in the, in the same breath, like I'd also tell just my, my younger self, like, yo, you're doing a good job. Like you're good. Like you're, you are good. Um, and it's not to say like I had any real doubts, so to say, but I think that the way I live my life a certain way. And now that I'm older, I'm glad that I did certain things the way that I did. I think what I what I did the best was I always knew when something was a bad idea. Like I just I just knew and I would and I had a low tolerance. There was there were moments when dumb shit would happen. Right. And I always was able to recognize it and in the moment go, yo, that's stupid. 
Right. Like even if to my close friends, it doesn't matter who it was. I'd be like, yo, that's, I'm not doing that. That's dumb. And like a funny example, I, I remember, you know, we used to play fight all the time in high school and uh, this on the football team, this big dude, my, 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 one of my close, he's not, I'm going to say close friends, but at the time, you know, friends, still friends to this day. And right. we're playing around and he throws me into the, the window and the window breaks. Like it, and this is in school, it breaks. And I remember everybody ran. And I was like, damn, this window is broke. And I kind of got low too. But I ended up going to the principal's office, like literally like in that moment. And I was like, yo, I broke the window. Oh, wow. I was like, I broke the window. He was like, oh, like what? I was like, pull up. I'll, I'll show you. <laughs> and I showed him the window. And I was like, yo, I was, you know, I was playing around and I, I fell into the window. And that conversation was such a smooth combo with my principal because it wasn't like, you know, because I thought about we're going to run away. They're going to find out that it's broken. They're going to check the cameras. They're going right. to see that it's me. They're right. going to call me. So like I played that out in my head in the moment. And I was like, let me just tell him off the rip. And I didn't get in trouble for it. Like there was there were literally no consequences. And that could have been, you know, just because of the way I approached it. But like in that moment, I'm like, yeah, I know he's going to find out. Let me just clear this air. So I, I live my life a lot like that almost in in terms of advice, it's just like, you'll keep pushing, keep, you know, keep doing it. And yeah, I, I'll say I, I would leave it to that. That's very admirable because I, that made me think about a time in middle school where I knew I was going to get in trouble and I like didn't say anything. And then I got a Saturday attention. Terrible. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, like, Camille, like, can you please come to the principal's office? I'm like, no. It's like, damn, like I got caught. It's like, yo, no, literally. School, you know, so yeah. Plus, I was the only black girl in my middle school. So, like, oh, you know, they were going to know it was me. Yeah. We would hug our 16 year old self, get him some food, make sure that he's cool. Yeah. I'm learning so much. Okay, so to piece this together, you're from the Bronx. Well, you're from Wisconsin. Yeah. Lived and grew up in the Bronx. Correct. Um, K through 12 went to private school. Yes. That went to PWI for college. Yep. In college, you were, you were a bio major, pre-med, then decided to minor in education. Yeah. Where did poetry come in? Oh, that's a good one. So travel back to high school. I okay. very cliche heartbreak and I started Aww. writing yeah I is that it. why we're talking to 16 year old self you no. don't have to tell me <laughs> that's so separate yeah those two they know each other but those those are separate people okay. um, yeah those are separate people um it was a defining moment you know guys always tell a cliche you know heartbreak started writing it's all good now it's you know so love mm-hmm. uh I uh I wrote a piece called uh, uh memories of my future just like you know in I remember in my living room I had like this major laser instrumental in the background, reading off of this paper, made a video, threw it up on Facebook, tried to make everybody feel bad. It was like a whole thing. Um, but that experience was very cool because okay. I learned that I liked that. I liked, I, I had fun with it. I liked okay. it. It was, it was in the midst of like me not knowing how to express myself. Cause you know, as a kid in, in middle school growing up where, you know, like expression wasn't that wasn't nobody was talking about expression and you know it was like yo you something bad happened to you whatever suck it up like move on right you know right um and I didn't you know it 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 hit me hard obviously and I wrote this piece and then 
I remember watching a lot of battle rap. And when I say a lot of battle rap, it was like a few different people that I was really watching. But I used to watch this one um, battle between Loaded Lux and Calico. Okay. Loaded Lux destroyed Calico. It was a, it was a sweep. But I remember me and my friends would memorize Loaded Lux's three rounds. And we would just recite it all the time, all the time, all the time. And I thought at the time it was just a joke and it was cool. But I'm like, yo, I really like the way that his, you know, the way that he uh, wrote his bars, his, and then more so his performance on stage. Like, I really like that. And I remember freshman year. So, you know, I um, didn't have, I didn't really do anything other than that when I was in school, but in college, I picked it up again. And I remember trying out for the school's like poetry uh, group and I didn't make it. Like I got cut. This is my mm-hmm. freshman year. Like I got cut. And it was a very weird, like I wrote something, I performed it. And of course, like I wasn't as good as I am now. Maybe it was trash. Maybe it was whatever. But I remember them telling me like, yo, come back tomorrow. We want you to say it again in front of like other people. And I was like, okay, well, like I have work tomorrow. Like mm-hmm. I had work study and they're like, yo, you know, just you know, try and figure it out. And at the time I'm like, like, nah, I have work study tomorrow. I don't think we're on the same page here. And, right. and I ended up, so maybe it was because of that or maybe whatever, but my whole thing was like, you know, maybe they wanted, it wasn't good enough in that moment. They wanted to hear it again, whatever. Long story short, I didn't make the, the, the whatever. And I remember still performing um, for Diotas on my yard shout out to Kenny Jarius and um, Kwame, they gave me a chance to jump on stage and perform. They had like a show. And again, it wasn't, I don't think it was my best work, but it felt good to be on stage. It was a long poem I had to memorize. It was a poem that I dedicated towards my sister. And I then pledged the fraternity, Alpha Phi Fraternity Incorporated. And then I remember having events. So, you know, as a, you know, as a fraternity member, we would have programs and events on campus. And I was like, yo, let's do a poetry show. And I'm gonna just end it. <laughs> so I, we did a poetry show and I ended the show and it was a dope, I wrote some more stuff and it was smooth. And then I was like, yo, I'm only gonna perform when we had a show. So during our like, miss our, our black and gold pageant, we had pageants, we had banquets we had showcases, I'd always perform. And I only had to write when I had a performance coming up. So it wasn't that often, but I did, you know, I did it, I did write. And then, you know, fast forward, I got to school, I got, I graduated, got to the city. I think maybe a few years, maybe one or two had passed. And I wrote, um, uh, I was invited to an open mic. Somebody was like, yo, I remember you used to do poetry, like you should tap in. And I was like, all right, cool. And then I wrote, I am black, which was like the, a big catalyst towards what I'm doing now and that experience being on stage was like yo that was dope it was the the best feeling that I've had in a while and I think that was the end of 2019 or early 2020 it was definitely like 2020 maybe um yeah I'll stop there so so then keep going into the poetry and how poetry please started please all right cool so uh I wrote that piece and then I was like, you know what? Like, I'm gonna do a show. Like, I'm gonna do a poetry show. Like, I remember hitting the chat, like, y'all model? <laughs> and it was like, nah, but I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> we'll do it in the city. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna find a spot. Like, <laughs> and I found a spot in Brooklyn, this bar in Brooklyn. And I used to do parties. So it wasn't that far. It wasn't that off. Like, the, right. the planning piece was easy. And 
it was March 2020. And if you remember what happened in March 2020, it got a little spooky. So we had to postpone and we postponed it. I started writing more. You know, I had dropped an ebook. I put out the website. Like I just started putting things out because I had all this free time on my hands. At that time, I was teaching. I was a four-year STEM educator um, for the DOE. And at that point, it was like, we didn't, we didn't really know what to do with students. You know, we were virtual, then we were in person and we were really just virtual. So it was just like, you know, the, the workload was different. I had a lot of time to myself. And then June, 2021 was the first Poetry Me Please Showcase in Brooklyn, the same spot. I had about like, I sold about like 80 tickets maybe, packed it out. Nice. And it was such a dope experience. It was exactly what I thought it was gonna be. And that was the... Like, yo, we're going to just keep doing this again. So, yeah. It's also so funny, completely unrelated, ah, kind of related. Um, I feel like I have recently been hearing about people that threw parties in college and they're like now like, like my one friend now is like a photographer and he's like super, super successful at all this stuff. And like, he like will coordinate like these like shoots for people. And he's like super like creative when it comes to marketing. He's like, oh, like, it's because like when I was like throwing parties, like I made the flyers. I like, I was taking pictures, yeah, I was doing all this stuff. Everything. And I was like, this is stemming from you throwing parties in college. Yeah, yo, you'd be surprised. Like even negotiating, <clears throat> I, right. I would, you know, my brothers and I, we would go to a venue 30, 40 minutes off campus and say like, hey, we want to bring 300 college students here. You know, you know what it is. And they'd be like, oh, well, you know, the, the fee would be this. And we're like, okay, well, if you sell this amount of tickets, we can make it happen. And, you know, sometimes we get school support, sometimes we don't. But like, yeah. I remember going, you know, you learn so much just to organize because you're, you're responsible for so, for so many people. Right. Uh, the negotiating, negotiating with a venue. Then, of course, marketing assets with flyers and in promotion with links and money management. Like, you, know, you learn so much just as an event planner in general, but right. party is easy because everybody wanted to party. And like, if you could get a good crowd, then, you know, so, yeah. Right. No, it's just, it's just so funny. Cause again, I was having that conversation with him and I'm like, you think this all happened because you threw parties. And he was like, 100% this happened. Oh. Because you threw parties. And I was like, what? But a lot during the process. Yeah, yeah. Listen, maybe, that, maybe that's what I should have been doing instead of studying during college. I don't listen, know. Um, listen, right? <laughs> but that's really cool. So, so you're not, you're definitely not new to this, but you're just really expanding on a vision that you had like pretty early on, I feel like. That's really, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I think that I, you know, somebody was, somebody asked me like, what made you think of this? And it all stemmed from me. And maybe this is like selfish, I guess, in, this, in a way. But it was like, I wanted to perform more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I could do open mics, or I could just do this myself. Right. And I was like, well, let me just do it myself because that's the right. easiest route. I right. didn't like, you know, things that I didn't like, I didn't like having to pay to perform okay and it wasn't a lot of money and this kind of goes to like who I am as a person it would be like they would be like yo you got to pay ten dollars or twenty dollars to perform and I was like why because so you said let me throw an entire event so I can avoid so I don't have to pay right so funny like that's mad crazy but that's how my brain works because it's like you know technically it'd be free like if I just do it myself like technically I can make this free for me um but I thought you know it, it just didn't make any sense to me it was just like so I get why some people do it. Don't get me wrong now, of course. But for me, I didn't want to. And right. I about 
you know, I remember um, I linked up with one of my guys, SP, shout out SP. He, he recorded my first two videos. Okay. I remember I recorded two videos, I Am Black and From the Hood Part 3. I had my boy Morley pull up and get some uh, photography, get some shots of me like in motion and like behind the scenes stuff. And they, it was expensive and expensive. So I think about it all together, like 2,500, you know, $2,500. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was putting in this money and I had a guaranteed return everything. It was just like, yeah, I want to do this. And I think it'd be dope, you know, got a good right. deal, made it happen, rented out of space. And then I was like, damn, it would be dope if I can get more poets to get this level of quality of content. Because I used to go to poetry shows and you that you hear some of the most talented artists, talented poets, you know, writers, performers, and then you go to like their social media or you go to, you know, whatever platform they have and they either don't have videos mm-hmm. or they have videos that are not high quality, you know, that, that look like somebody's phone or, you know, whatever. Right. And I guess some people want to keep it personal they don't want to expose and put all that stuff out but then there are a lot of people who do want to put that stuff out and they want to start their own business and they want to get more commission shows and I was like well if I could find a way to get y'all content and then also you know so it's twofold it's like if I can find a way to service the poets give them content give them a stage but I could also get something wavy for the people back in the crib to come outside we could just do both and it's the thought process it's like yo this is a wavy experience now I made a joke about this like people come to the show for the vibe and then they get poetry secondary okay so they're coming in like yo I heard poetry please is lit oh y'all doing poetry too I bet I'm gonna pull up like (laughs) that's the that is it's fun it's so I know it's like it sounds crazy but that is how a lot of people will approach it because I look in the crowd and I'm like you have no business being here like you like I know you as a person you know like you don't even poetry. like I know you and it's two for us like they come to support me but right. they leave there like yo sis that was that was there the, the first one they don't even know nobody's name they're like yo the first girl who went yo, went crazy about this? Yo, bring her back to the next one. Oh, so you coming back <laughs> like that's how it is so, seriously that's how it is like exposing people be like yo I didn't know poetry was like that I'm like I'm pretty sure you had no idea what poetry was mm-hmm. no but you just kind of had maybe you assumed or you went to a show that was very like chill and monotone and for a poetry lover like that wasn't a showcase for you like this is more so a showcase for you so that's right well so and again I don't know if this is me not knowing too much about poetry but but poetry and spoken word are different yes or are yeah, they're different. Spoken yes. word is more like expressive, like it is right. a legitimate performance, whereas poetry is more focusing on, I guess, like the the content of like the words that you're saying. Is that like a good enough distinction or you think that it's? Uh, I mean, so it all depends. Like, OK, you have written poetry, right? Poetry reading. You know, you, I guess you have poetry that can you know be either or maybe, but okay. like spoken word is so precious because it's the expression so yeah you had that part right of like personal expression performance style on stage you know being animated or you know having that passion I think the most I think my personal my personal preference is when poets are most passionate about whatever they're saying and that's why a lot of my work is about like pain because that's what I'm most passionate but like there's so many forms of, of different types of spoken word poetry and I do think you know when you go to an open mic like if anybody goes to an open mic 
you can get a range of all different types of poets. You can get poets that are that are writers that are reading from their book or that are reading something that they wrote. And it's a very specific tone versus, you know, you may get somebody that um, it does spoken word. And right. now they're passionate. You're like, oh, that was kind of cool. That kind of moved me. But if, you know, all different types of poetry, it may just be for content, meaning listening to the words, listening to the metaphors and how they're syncing things together versus then adding any expression to it. So yeah, there is a difference. The it, poetry is, is 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 so unique in style like even with the types of events that people have like i always tell people like i do showcases i don't do open mics or if i do an open mic you'll know and i don't and i do slam i do one slam for the year so what i mean by that is a slam is a competition okay so there's going to be a winner or winners at the end of that event they're usually judges whether you pick them or the crowd so it's a slam competition and then an open mic is anyone can the, the mic is open to anyone meaning you may have signups in the beginning of the show or you may have signups at some point in time and then people are coming in not really knowing who, ex who to expect but they're going to know that you have an opportunity to perform and in a showcase is when you pick this poets beforehand you okay. let them promote right it's their show like you are showcasing those poets and okay. it's, it's a very different experience because an open mic are usually more fast paced and a little bit rapid versus a showcase you can kind of give someone a highlight to say like hey we want you to do two or three poems you know we want okay. you to you know, take your time get your people to come out you know it's a little bit different so again just for like educating people on like what poetry or, or showcases are and what poetry versus spoken word is like it, it, it is very different right i feel like um now again, this is me as an outsider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like there was always like these videos of people reciting poems, or so I, I guess technically really would be spoken word because it was much more expressive, but like together. So it'd be like two people yeah. kind of like reciting, like almost like finishing each other's sentences, but it was just mm -hmm. like, so like rhythmic and just like, yeah. Uh, like just crazy to watch um so the, would that also be i guess considered spoken word or would that potentially that fall it. and and the reason like there's no hard rigid line to say like that's not spoken word you okay. know it's someone can go up on stage and read from a book and it be spoken word okay it, it, i think it just depends on like you know what do you think it is as a poet like what is this to you as your art like what is it and the typical theme of, you know, spoken word is when usually you have some form of emotion to it, whether okay. it's high emotion, high energy, or like low emotional energy, like there's something that you're giving to the crowd. So yeah, like even instances like those, like I've seen a few of those videos and I, you know, I'll look at that as spoken word, you know, you're, right. you know, you're, you're putting some form of level of energy or passion into it. You mentioned your, your first, I guess, like pivotal piece, which is called I Am Black. Yeah. Give me the background of why you created that piece and why do you really feel like that was what like pivoted you into like where you are now? Yeah. And I'll actually give you like two poems. So that one and then um, From the Hood Part Three is a, a, right. a poem for me. But I Am Black is the, the poem that I wrote when I had all the time on my hand. Like that was the that was the poem that I wrote for that first open mic. OK. And it was, you know, during COVID during the trial of, you know, George Floyd, you know, well, not the trial, but, you know, when, when he was murdered and with everything that was going on with the rioting and 
it was like, yo, like I am black. Mm-hmm. And like the first line is like, I am black and black is beautiful. Like every bit of our body glistens. Oh, and we shine, we shine bright. But why is it that you fear us? You know, and, and, and like a question to the world. And it's really how I felt. Like I, it, they really and truly, and I talked about, you know, mothers growing up without their sons um, due to street violence or, you know, whatever it is, you know, and it was when I, when I performed that, that poem, I felt so good at the end of it. And I think I had a good crowd there. I had a bunch of friends. I was able to like use my friends to like play in and out of the poem and like give me like a call and response. And I Mm -hmm. felt so good. So when I got home the next morning, I'm like, I got to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, we got to run that back. (laughs) (laughs) Like that was a good, that was a good one. Um, And I, it was like a, you know, I say with all my poems uh, at the end of it, I feel relieved. Like in all my pieces, I feel relieved at the end of all my poems. And, you know, that feeling is what I was chasing. Like this feeling, I like that feeling. How do I recreate it? And the second piece being from the hood part three is about my friend, uh, John, who had passed. Mm. And I talk a lot about like growing up from the hood, from my hood and how it was like, you know, we're reaching back to the block was a humble underrated win. And, you know, we kind of took that for granted. And I think everybody does really like every time you get home and you put your key into the door, like that's a win. Right. Like literally that is a win. Like if you, if you get had a checkboard of like, caught a dub, caught a dub today, caught a dub today, because there are so many people that don't get that luxury, like that take L's. Right. I had so much pain when I wrote that, that I, that was my expression, you know, and, and that's when I realized like, yo, the level of passion and energy that I can put into a piece, like with that poem, like when I wrote that poem, I I cried during that first performance. Mm -hmm. And growing up as a black man living in the world that I live in, like I can probably count the many times that I've cried publicly. Right. And it's like, a re- it's like you recognize like, yo, you don't cry, but this piece made you cry. Like, what's up with that? You know, like <laughs> you almost kind of like look into it, like what's going on with that? And, you know, the level of, the level of expression, you, you know, and, and, and how that made me feel. So again, this is all go back to feeling. So when I wrote that poem, when I wrote those two poems, those were the first videos that I, that I invested in myself. And once I put it out, I got such a positive reaction from my friends and my family members. It was like, yo, I'm getting love. This felt good. Like, what's up? Let's keep, let's, yeah. let's keep it going. Why not keep doing this? Nah, we're going, why not? Why not? <laughs> that was a goodie. Let's keep it, you know, let's keep it going. And mm-hmm. more people liked it. And it was like, yo, that's fine. That's dope. And that was almost like my, um, you know, my, my like conversation to him almost so just like keeping his name alive and you know when I thought back like we grew up together and so you know when my friends and I lost him it was I bonded my friends were there during that performance and we all bonded in that moment it was such a surreal moment um and it, it just felt it felt really good so I think I've just been chasing that 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 feeling of those feelings no I like that I think um I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to come to an event. Yeah, you gotta pull to up. An yeah. event. Where are you located? You're in I'm based in Philly. Philly, okay, got you. Yeah, yeah so we'll I'm not far. I'm about to tap into Philly at some point in time for sure. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll stay in touch and we'll, we'll try and set that up. No, of course. All right. So 
Towards the end of our episodes, I do something called a lightning round. It's basically this or that. You do not have to put too much thought into it. You don't even have to explain your answers if you don't want to. Um, For the listeners, when I was prepping, because of course I prep for all of, you know, my episodes, I didn't know too much about you. So I was literally making these throughout our conversation, which is probably why you could see that I was looking down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So bear with me on these, but are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, handwritten poems or typed poems? Oh, toughy, uh, typed. Okay, big stage versus small venue? Big stage, 100%. Okay, uh, pre-med or education? Pre-med. Ah, that's so tough. Ah, it's so, so tough. I love, I love the idea of being a doctor. I love the idea. And I say idea because, like, obviously being a doctor is probably obviously different. But I love education. Like I love, I, I absolutely adore the idea of teaching students and then watching a student learn in real time, mm-hmm. but then also educating myself. So that's a tough one. I don't know. I might just go education. Like I think I'll, yeah, I'll go education. That was a tough one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, spoken word or poetry? Oh, spoken word, for sure. Okay. Entrepreneurship or teaching? Mm, entrepreneurship, 100%. Word. Okay, cool. Um, so is there anything else that you want to plug? I have something super, super, super special coming at the end, mid-February. We're going to do something that's going to be a, a banger. So look out for those. Um, you can follow us at Poetry Me Please on all social media platforms. Check out our website, poetrymeplease.com. And check out our YouTube channel, Poetry Me Please, to get an insight and recaps and to see all of the poets, you know, to see their full videos. Perfect. And I definitely will put all of the links and where to find oh, Sean and all of the show notes and all that good stuff. Um, so definitely, please, again, if you're listening, go through those links. I'm going to be going back and watching the two poems that you referenced in this uh, episode. Nice. Um, but I like to give people their flowers. And again, just as a person that like loves seeing Black people thrive, what you're doing is really cool. Um, and I think there is an added... I wish I had better words. I think the fact that you as a black man are tapping into these emotions that you feel and being able to share them with the world is like very vulnerable and it's not something that you see on a regular basis. And I think that honestly was probably the main thing that I was like, ah, like I have to, you know, talk to him. I have to like see, you know, who he is as a person. Um, I love to give people their flowers. My love language is words of affirmation. So I don't know if that's like a selfish thing or what, Um, but no, please continue to do what you do. And I hope that I'm able to support and I hope the listeners are able to support um, a lot of us from based in Philly. So hopefully we'll be able to pop out to New York, um, take the train, take the bus. I'm not driving. I hate driving. The only reason no. I'm not gonna say I don't like New York, but like y'all have a cover to get into the state, and that's just crazy to me. Like fifteen dollars uh, is crazy. Uh, I feel like that. So I live in the Bronx. Everywhere I go is a fucking toll or something like that. So crazy. Yeah. Like I just can't get behind it. Parking's terrible. Y'all have to move your cars from one side of the street to the other. Like what? <laughs> y'all don't do that in Philly? No. no. Like, <laughs> park somewhere. Like. Damn, uh, yeah, um, yeah, you know, but there's other there's other parts that shouldn't be a, a stopper, you know, like it's been stopping me so far. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so no, maybe if I come to the event, I'm like, oh, yeah, you got to make a trip. Use a little weekend, a little weekend trip. We'll see, we'll see. But again, thank you for your time. For the listeners, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast so people will find us, and come back next week. 
to continue the Being Black and Creating Space series. All right, bye.